Welcome to In the Pines, a monthly podcast covering the mysterious, weird, and sometimes unbelievable stories that happen in the place where people love to find solace, the great outdoors. My name is Pox Holiday, and sitting a few hundred miles to my north is Nikki. <laughs> I had to sing it. I was telling the other day, oops, the man friend, that apparently I like to like sing out stuff a lot, and I don't know why. And he looked at me and he goes, uh, yeah, you do it a lot. And I was like, oh, okay, sorry. So, <laughs> <But>. <laughs> I, I have a, I have a coworker who, uh, is the, the person in the office next to me who every time they come back from using the bathroom down the hall, uh-huh. they, they do the old, like the curly, like snap, like, oh yeah. Yeah. Like they do that as they're coming up the hall nice. and every time they walk in, they're like, I snapped my fingers, didn't I? Like, yep, heard you coming sure all did. the way down the hall. <laughs> yes, yeah, sure did. Uh, it's like, yeah. But at the same time, I find myself when I'm writing emails, uh-huh. I will like hold my breath. <laughs> You're like, oh, God. <laughs> I'll be like, uh, I'll be reading it and thinking it. And then I'll be like, oh. I'll just take like a gasp of air. And I'm like, oh, my God, how many times a day am I doing that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so... Our first episode. That went yeah. over well, I think. What do you think? I, for, for a first episode of uh, that, that that had very little warning for anyone, yeah, yeah. I think it did very well. I um, was pleasantly uh, surprised, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'd like to thank... I'd like to thank the people around the world. <laughs> um, you know, our podcast has reached Australia. Um, no, we actually had a lot of downloads all around the place. Um and it was, uh, I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Um, and so hopefully it'll keep on going from there. And, uh, I think today's story is a little bit different. Yeah. Um, it's definitely different than, than, than Daniel Dennis, Dennis, Den- I can't want damn Daniel. Okay. No, <laughs> can we <laughs> back with the back at it with the white vans? Yeah. Um, uh, I, I can't tell you. So, you know, for people peek behind the curtains for people, these are edited yes. <laughs> in case you couldn't tell. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I called him Daniel many times and would correct myself and said, and say Dennis. So there's a bunch of times in the podcast for keen listeners to the first one. You can hear all the times that <laughs> Dennis had to be edited back in. in or yeah. something. <laughs> but yeah, so, but th- th- today's is a little bit different because, it it does deal with well, you and I talked about this a little bit because it's it's a difficult one to find the the setting. Yeah, well, let me put it this way: it's difficult to find the research about the the setting. Yeah, um, and for people that are maybe listening to this for the first time, we we talk about the setting and then we tell the story, and so the setting a lot of the setting for this story is related to the story you're going to tell. Yeah, and we. You know, and, and we kind of, for, for listeners, we, we kind of have a agreement that we'll let the other one know what we're going to talk about, but we don't really go in depth. And so the other person really is kind of hearing the story for the first time or, yeah. you know, relatively. And so uh, there are two types of websites for this story. There <laughs> yeah. are the, hey, come check us out. We're a great place to come. Yeah. And the other one is haunted, doomed, cursed. And but a lot of time, death <laughs> and yeah. And just oppression. And yeah. it's like all those things kind of go together. So, 
So my, my introduction is going to be a little bit looser than yours just because the creation of this phenomena even is, or not even a phenomena of this place is part of the, the lore of it. But, um, so yeah, so maybe I'll just, I'll just dig in unless you have something else to say about it. Uh, nope, I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to have enough to say about it. Oh yeah, I'm going to have plenty. (laughs) All right, Pox, you want to give us a little background on where we're going to be at today? In the mountains of North Georgia, sitting at 1,071 feet above sea level, lays Lake Sydney Lanier. Lake Lanier is more commonly known as an artificial lake that was built by the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers for the purposes of downstream flood control and water supplies. The 38,000 acres of Lake Lanier spans 700 miles of shoreline across five different counties, Hall, Forsyth, Dawson, Gwinnett, and Lumpkin. There are also over 100 islands peppered throughout the lake. It was created by the completion of Buford Dam on the Chattahoochee River in 1956. And for our listeners who might live outside of the South, um, just so you know, uh, way down yonder on the Chattahoochee, occasionally it does get hotter than a hoochie coochie. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> That's the part I took out the other day, so you couldn't see Oh my see God, it. I fucking loved it. <laughs> Uh, why is that making me so tickled but i love it okay get shit together that that even include like i'm not even kidding you i have bless you bless you i have the the wikipedia for (laughs) chattahoochee yes in my i have the video and the wikipedia for the song in my in my sources because oh. I was like, I need, I need to figure out how you spelled hoochie. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> oh god, now I'm sorry. I thought, that, I thought for sure there'd be a T in there. But... <laughs> oh. Uh, okay, get your shit together, Nikki. That was perfect. Thank you, thank you for that, sir. Sorry. <laughs> Don't ever be sorry for a good Alan Jackson reference. Okay. <laughs> thank you. I almost said, I almost said Travis Tritt. Uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Huh. Um. <laughs> huh. So in 1946, Congress approved the Rivers and Harbors Act. It, it was an attempt to bolster waterways across the country. Among the approved projects was a 45 million potential lake in northern Georgia. At this time, Atlanta was a growing metropolis that needed a water source and hydroelectric power. The creation of this lake would also save communities from constant flooding by the Chattahoochee River. Finally, in 1949, funding was approved for the massive project. Local officials held a groundbreaking for Buford Dam, which would hold back these lake waters, in March 1950. As the Corps of Engineers started construction, the entire area around the around Forsyth, Hall, Gwinnett, Dawson County started to change. Roads had to be rerouted, bridges had to be reconstructed, and most importantly, the process of buying up mostly farmland owned by residents at the time was started as the U.S. government set out to acquire the rights to more than 56,000 acres of land needed to make room for the lake. The purchase of land in the area started in April 1954 when 81-year-old Henry Shadburn sold the deed to his land to the government for $4,100. Thus started a mad grab for the land needed for the lake. Soon after the construction of the Buford Dam, the lake started to fill up quickly. As a result of the lake filling in such a hurried manner, many structures were left as is or not completely demolished. Even today, there are concrete buildings, cars, parts of bridges, and other debris in some of the deepest parts of Lake Lanier. But as the lake is full now, the Army Corps of Engineers suspects that these structures will likely never cause any harm to lakegoers. 
There are rumors, though, that the, that suggests that the entire town of Oscarville still sits beneath the lake. However, anything that would cause a hazard was removed from the area when the lake was built. That does mean that there are concrete buildings or other structures, wells, and items made from heavy materials that are likely left under the water. So the, the deepest part of Lake Lanier is found at Buford Dam, and it's more than 160 feet deep. Um, since the construction of the dam, there's only been two major flooding events downstream. The most recent was in 2004 after two major hurricanes. Uh, Francis and Ivan dropped huge amounts of rain across the area, and I can attest to that that we got both of those back-to-back -back in 2004, and yes, uh, it was, was that a lot bad. of flooding. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it was that bad, and I can only imagine what it was like down there. Um, but uh, So a little bit more about Buford Dam and the, and the creation of Lake Lanier. Uh, many of the families in North Georgia held their homes and land close to their heart as some of them handed off their land to family through generations. So it's no surprise that despite the efforts to convince locals in the area of the project's importance, some families still turned their backs from the plans. And it even reached a point where several residents started civil action lawsuits against the government and refused to leave their homes. Uh, eventually, civil suits were settled in 1956 and Buford Dam was completed and the unnamed lake was started to fill up. So where did the name Lake Lanier come from? Well, it, it's named after a Confederate soldier, Sidney Lanier, who I did some searching through, and, you know, nothing amazing stands out. He, sound, sound, he was born in, in uh, Macon, Georgia, and spent most of his time fighting in the, for the Confederates in the Tidewater region around Norfolk and Suffolk and those kind of places in Virginia, Virginia Beach area. Mm -hmm. um, he has over 33 things named after him. Bodies of water, colleges, I think some small universities. There are cities named after him. A lot of schools. There's a monument at Duke for this guy. Ew. And uh, <laughs> it, it turns out, it turns out that like he he pretty much when I was reading about him, he wrote what is, and I'm using quotes here, quote Negro and quote Cracker uh, dialogue. Oh, and okay. So he's basically just making make basically just making fun of Reconstruction poor people in the South. Oh, lovely. And that's, yeah, that, that, that's why, why not, why not name everything in the South after this guy that was making fun of poor people in the South? Of course. Um, but yeah, I'm sure there's more to it, but, um, he was, sounds to me like he was no one special. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit about him. Um, a little bit more about the area. I mean, at one point in time, the Trail of Tears went as far South as, where Lake Lanier is now. Um, they say that might be about as far south as it went. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, that's so I think what we're getting at in all this and, and the reason it's kind of difficult for me to, to talk about this one is it, there's so much bad. Yeah. That goes into the way this place is structured. And kind of like I was saying before, there's two different types of websites. It's the, hey, come visit us. We're not that bad. And the, this place is doomed. Yeah. <laughs> so not only did my dream come true from, or my prediction from the last episode go that my introduction wasn't going to be as good as yours. Um, no, <laughs> but no, it's more just like hands are tied because it's like, I feel like I'm going to 
talk about what you're going to tell us about. And I'd rather hear your story yeah. than mine, <laughs> than, than me spoiling it. So please tell us about Lake Lanier. <laughs> so to set the mood for our story today, let me start by telling you a good one. Late one clear and hot night in the early summer, a man is driving home after a long day of work. And that drive home passes right by the largest lake in the state of Georgia, Lake Lanier. The man's driven this route countless times with no major issues. Oh, he's heard the stories of the haunted lake, the drownings, the boating exits, the ghostly apparitions. But he doesn't believe any of it. To him, it's all superstition and silly mumbo-jumbo. But as he drives around one of the larger sections of the lake, a haze starts to build up over the water. That's strange, the man thought to himself. It had been raining days, even weeks, and the temps had been scorching. Heck, they were starting to go into a drought. The lake levels had even dropped so much you could start to see the bleachers to the old speedway that had been long laying underneath these waters. As he drove on, the haze grew thicker until it became downright foggy. The man shrugged it off and he kept driving on home. Maybe the temperature was actually starting to drop and they could finally get a little bit of a reprieve from this incessant heat. As he came around a long turn in the road, the fog started to disperse slightly. Ahead, he could see a person walking along the road. As he got closer, the man could make out the silhouette of a woman. Her back was turned to him. And it looked like she really antivirus. Now you're going to fucking kick in. God damn it. Sorry. <laughs> it went ding. I heard it. I was like, I heard that. I Let heard me, Zola, I heard that. while I'm thinking of it, just hit mute on my external speaker. And let me try that fucking section again. Her back was turned to him. And it looked like she was in a faded blue dress. She walked with her head kind of hung low and at a slow pace. The man started to slow down, wanting to make sure that the woman was all right. The man got closer and closer to the woman as that same odd fog started to roll back in. Never once did the woman turn around to face him yet. As he finally got right next to where the woman was, the woman slowly turned her face towards him, and the face looking back at him horrified him. Her mouth was agape and her jaw unnaturally to the side. Where eyes should have been, there were two black voids staring back. And as he sat there terrified at what he saw, he came to the realization that she had lifted her arms towards him, perhaps asking for help. But where her hands should be were two ragged stumps. The man immediately slammed the gas, skidded away, only looking back once in his rearview mirror to see that the woman was gone. Sorry, I really like to try to story tell sometimes. <laughs> No, I'm 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 enraptured. You're enraptured. Okay. So, this story of the Lady of the Lake is one that has been told for years and years in regards to Lake Lanier. And it actually came about because in April of 1958, Delia Parker Young and her friend Susie Roberts were headed off to a place called the Three Gables in Dawsonville, Georgia. And they were in Susie's 1954 Ford um, and we're heading for a night out. Now, they went missing this night. And a subsequent investigation into their disappearance discovered that they had visited a gas station that night and left without paying. 
The only clue that was left at the scene were the skid marks um, across the road, which seemed to suggest the car had actually skidded off um, Lanier Bridge while they were on it um, and into the lake below. But the car was never found. And divers who were brought in to search for the car weren't able to locate it due to poor visibility at the bottom of the lake. So, for 18 months, police were unable to find any further clues. But then, a fisherman named C.A. Simpson found a decomposed body of what was thought to be Delia Parker Young. Um, And the corpse was missing two toes from the left foot and both hands, but could not be positively identified at the time that when it was found. And it was never determined why the body was missing its hands and toes or what the cause of death had been. Well, uh, duh, it's been underwater for 18 months. It's going to be missing right. some parts. Yeah. But, yeah, and everybody gets of, Brian Laundry there now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 and I mean, cause of death, if you wreck into a large body of water, it's going to be like trauma of some kind. Duh. Come on, guys. Anyways, so, let me get back to my place. So, with no way of knowing if the corpse was that of Delia or not, it was eventually buried in an unmarked grave in a nearby cemetery. Um, And the body of Susie Roberts and the car itself remained missing, despite repeated searches of that area of the water. Then, in November of 1990, during construction on an expansion of Lanier Bridge, uh, construction crews were dredging the bottom of the lake in order to place some new supports, and they discovered a rusted-out 1954 Ford, which held within it uh, the remains of a human skeleton. The car had been hidden within tree trunks and mud in 90 feet of water, and it was on, like, a steep slope. Um, and next to the body were purse, rings, and watch, were, which were used to prove that the body was that of Susie Roberts. So it was later concluded that the other body had actually been Delia Parker Young, and the headstone at the cemetery where she was was alter- altered to reflect that. And Susie Roberts was then buried beside her, so... And since that night when the girls went missing, it is said that a ghostly young woman dressed in a blue dress known as the Lady of the Lake, who's missing her hands, she can sometimes be seen walking up and down the length of Lanier Bridge and the stretch right before and after it. Um, And it's said that that is the ghost of Delia Parker Young, since it was, you know, she was the body that was found with no hands, the ghost has no hands. Um, and the ghost, it says, is appeared to, appears to be lost, um, and many have witnessed her presence. Um, as for Susie, she's not haunting the bridge, so that's a good thing. Um, and some say, though, she can be spotted wandering back roads along uh, State Route 53, making her way from Dawsonville you know, to the top. So You know, the, the, the one thing that always gets me, and I know this is... I, that, this is well-trodden territory in, in stand-up comedy, prom- probably to the point of just it being a cliche. But when do the college students in their pajama bottoms <laughs> and a champion hoodie that disappeared a few years ago, when did they start to appear? I know, right? Right? Because it's always like... The like colonial fuckers, yeah, colonial or like 40s, 50s, 30s, like 
It's never like yeah. nowadays ghosts. Like I want to see somebody yeah. walking down this, like through a room with their like I don't know, um, with the three eleven shirt on. Like yeah, <laughs> don't judge three eleven. I like them. <laughs> no, but I'm just saying it's like there's a t- like like the, you know it's like there's gonna be somebody yeah. with a sublime shirt on. Oh at my some god, point I can't wait for or, that day. Or or one of those. Uh, remember the the the, the Bajas. You know, those like, you know, cheap, like, they're like, the, they're like the cheap Baja shirt was like, yes. the hoodie. yeah, yeah, it's supposed, yeah. To be like a, yeah. it's supposed to be like from Mexico. Oh, just, yeah. They were just oh, yeah. I can't wait. For yeah. That like day. those. And like, like, so it's like at night, there's a guy, he's playing devil sticks <laughs> on the bridge. <laughs> he's playing he's hacky got sack. He's shirt on. <laughs> yes. He's got dreadlocks and he's white. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So. TikTok. We know her. We love her. We're fans of her, right? So oh, unless yeah. you I know I do. <laughs> so unless you've been living under a rock during for like the duration of this pandemic, you know what TikTok is, right? Like mm-hmm. you've come across it at some point. It's probably Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like one of the top, if not the top, social media platform currently. So towards the end of 2021, my algorithm started showing me tons and tons and tons of videos about a possibly haunted lake in northern Georgia called Lake Lanier. And I saw like stories like the one above. I've seen stories about, you know, a woman seen walking along the lake or on Lanier Bridge, um, when drivers get next to her, you know, true horrors are revealed and, you know, ugh, she's missing her hands, yeah. all that good stuff. But what really drew me in through all these, like, different TikTok stories, which maybe it's just because, you know, I'm a little kind of obsessed with true crime, but you put an ASPCA commercial in front of me and I cry like a baby. <laughs> but, I mean, the biggest thing that drew me in was the numerous deaths at the hands of this lake, you know? Whether it was, like, drownings or boating accidents, it seemed like this lake had, like, one of the highest death rates that I had heard of, personally. And to top it off, some of the videos said that there were several victims of this lake that had never been found. And, I mean, that's not uncommon, I will say, as someone who has a significant other who does water rescue part-time. You know, it's not uncommon for that to happen, granted. Um... But the number of people that have not been found, it was kind of like, oh, okay, this is weird. This is creepy. So why would people think this lake was cursed? You know, wasn't it like every other lake in this country that had been man-made? You know, we had small towns that had to be flooded out for it. Um, Prime example is to the north of me, there's, you know, one of the biggest lakes in this state. And... I know of two towns that had to be flooded out in order for it to be created. So that's usually par for the course when it comes to these things. We talked about it in the last one too. Yeah, exactly. Fontana, Fontana, the whole city still under there. Yeah. Yeah. But this model T is at the bottom of the lake. Yeah. The creation of this lake though, it wasn't kind of like most in this country as you've kind of filled us in on. There was that mad grab for land. They were Mm. Russian, all that But, Mm -hmm. in my opinion, the real horror of this area and the real, I guess, unnerving part, because apparently I love that word, unnerving, was (laughs) the community of Oscarville and its destruction prior to the creation of this lake. So, 
Let's go a little back in time, past 1956, to the year 1912, okay? So after the end of the Civil War in 1865, black people who were now free started moving northward in an attempt to find a place to call their own, finally. And a group of about 1,100 individuals eventually settled in a spot about 45 minutes north of Atlanta along the Chattahoochee, where it gets hotter than a coochie-coochie, like you said, um, <laughs> and created a town of their own called Oscarville. And the men and women who lived here predominantly worked like odd jobs in neighboring communities, but some went to work in Cummings because it wasn't too far off as craftsmen or other types of laborers. And the town of Oscarville even had its own speedway um, that was pretty widely known throughout the South. So some residents were able to even build up their own small businesses with, I think it was 58 of the residents of Oscarville were actually landowners, which during that time period, I mean, that was like unheard of, especially for right. the South still. So with the growth of this town, Oscarville also started to become known for its churches throughout it. And there were pastors such as Grant Smith and Levi Greenlee Jr., who were not only spiritual leaders, but also outspoken advocates for black residents in the South, not only in, you know, Oscarville and Forsyth County, where this was located, but for, you know, in the South. And they would organize picnics for churchgoers um, and collect tithes from within the community during these picnics and, you know, just throughout time. And these pastors not only brought their community together, but they were also working towards protecting that community and the people within it. So many of the children of Oscarville and surrounding smaller communities attended a publicly funded local school for black people, um, which I believe for that time period in the South, it was one of the first. I don't know exactly where the school was, if it was in Oscarville or in one of the surrounding areas, but it was one of the first publicly funded schools for black children. And in a 1908 census on Georgia schools, it shows that 316, quote, children of color were enrolled in school in Forsyth, Forsyth County. Um, but of course, as we know, some white residents within Forsyth County saw education of black children as a threat, right? Wait, 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 wait. Is this happening in the South? Yeah. Who would have thought, right? Oh. <laughs> Oh, huh. okay. All right. All right. Just, 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 just making sure I making sure I hadn't spaced out for a second there and we were talking about some other like long <laughs> yeah, yeah, go ahead, sorry. No, it's all good. <laughs> so as I said, Oscarville is in Forsyth County, Georgia. Now prior to like uh us going into this story, what were your what's what's the things you had heard about so Forsyth County? Had you really heard anything or were you familiar with it um, at all? Not I mean oh I feel like I feel like that's a loaded question. <laughs> I feel like I should should I, I, I should know something about Forsyth. Forsyth uh well, is that wait that's not where uh well go ahead. Let me ask right. you this. Have you heard yeah. the term sundown town or sundown county? 
Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, I know. Of, I know of at least one in my state, but uh, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> so, for our lovely listeners, if you've never heard of a sundown town or a sundown county, uh, let me just tell you, Forsyth County was and still quite possibly is one of those places. Um, so, a sundown town or county is one that has all white municipalities neighborhoods, or even a county, like I said, that practice a form of racial segregation by excluding non-white people via some combination of discriminatory discriminatory local laws, intimidation, or violence. I'll let you guess which of those options, if not all three, they used back in the day for this area. So, Forsyth County was no exception to this, all right? But, so that's why I asked, I was like, what have you heard about Forsyth? What do you know about Sundown Towns? Because if we're being honest, Forsyth County was the Sundown County to end all Sundown Counties uh, during this time period. And honestly, up until very recently was pretty much the same. Sorry if you live to us right now and you live in Forsyth, but your reputation precedes you and I am so sorry. Anyways, (laughs) Anyways, <laughs> and, and if you're listening to this, you're probably not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. <clears throat> so, although black citizens in Forsyth County, and in particular those that resided in Oscarville, tried to move forward and make a life of their own, these people, the white people of Forsyth County and the surrounding counties, Still feared that violence against them would... Oh, wait, no. I totally read that wrong. Sorry. So, although black citizens in Forsyth County, and in particular those that reside in Oscarville, tried to move forward and make a life of their own, these people still feared that violence against them could break through at any moment. You know? So, um, in 1906 even, W.E.B. Dubois penned an essay entitled A Litany of Atlanta. And this was kind of, he wrote this to capture the fear and pain that still remain for black people. Um, even though civil war was over, they're trying to, you know, start something on their own. But in it, he stated, bewildered we are and passion tossed mad with the madness of a mobbed and mocked and murdered people. Straining at the armpost of thy throne, we raise our shackled hands and charge thee, God, by the bones of our stolen fathers, by the tears of our dead mothers, by the very blood of thy crucified Christ. What meaneth this? Tell us the plan. Give us the sign. Um, and if you've never read any of W.E.B. Du Bois' uh, work, you really should, because it's, I mean, some uh, seriously uh, powerful stuff. About a quarter of the way into it, I went, I've heard this before, yeah. but I couldn't, have, I couldn't have placed it. Yeah. Yeah. The Litany of Atlanta is actually like a pretty well-known uh, essay that he did that's, I think it's been God published and republished who knows how many times, but some of his other work is really, really fantastic too. Um, and it really gives you that point of view of, you know, a black person's struggles. I mean, because we as white people, we will never know that struggle. You know, we can listen, right. we can empathize, but reading his works kind of really, like, pulls you in and it's like, damn, you know. Anyways, so, back to Oscarville now. 
So the first incidents that catapulted the demise of Oscarville, because that's literally what it was, it was the demise of a booming black town, um, occurred on September 5th, 1912. I guess we should have put a little trigger warning, trigger warning, trigger warning, trigger warning. I'm going to talk about rape. If this makes you uncomfortable, um, skip forward to, skip forward a little bit. It's going to be just a couple minutes. So, um... But on that day, 22-year-old Ellen Grice claimed that two black men had tried to rape her, but were unsuccessful due to her mother scaring them away. And as a result, the Forsyth County Sheriff arrested five black men for the alleged assault. Five. She said that two did it, but <laughs> let's just go ahead and arrest five. Why not? Right? Yeah. <sighs> so. Round them up, fellas. Round them up. God. Anyways. Um, news of these arrests quickly started to spread throughout the black communities of Forsyth County, naturally, because people were afraid. And in response to the arrests, good old, God love him, Reverend Grant Smith, so preacher Grant Smith, tried to appeal to the sheriff of Forsyth County to release the men by stating that there wasn't much evidence to hold all five men, obviously, because she said it was two, so why arrest five? And right. even stated, and this is like, this is what, yeah. He even stated that it could have been possible that one of the men was actually in a consensual relationship with Ellen. Right? Like, duh, that is a possibility. So, after hearing about Reverend Smith's plea to the sheriff... Many white residents became outraged and formed a mob. Why did they become outraged? Because he had the audacity to say that maybe it was an actual consensual freaking relationship. Because that is a possibility. Anyways. So, this mob then captured Reverend Smith, took him to the courthouse steps, and beat and horsewhipped the preacher to the point of near death. He lived, but he was so close to dying. All because he stated maybe it was a consensual relationship. So if that doesn't tell you that, hey, racial tensions are pretty freaking high down here. I mean, I don't know what does. So, anyways, I get a little if heated I, up. I, <laughs> so, so, sorry, if, if, if I'm not commenting, it's just because I literally am like just staring and shaking my head. And I'm like, well, that doesn't play well on a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just like that. That doesn't do well on podcasts. But uh, yeah. just for the listener at home, if there's no comment, just understand that I'm staring off in the distance, a thousand yard stare and shaking my head. Yes. Disapprovingly. Yeah. <laughs> a week after this first incident that happened on September 5th. Let's jump to now September 12th, 1912. All right. So 18-year-old May Crow, another white woman, was found raped and beaten in the small town of Big Creek, which is also within Forsyth County. May was found bloody, half-naked, and beaten, and she was under a pile of leaves. But somehow, she was actually still alive. She was barely breathing, and her skull had apparently been bludgeoned with, like, a large stone, but she was still alive. And during the search of the crime scene, a small pocket mirror was allegedly, let me just reiterate, allegedly 
found <laughs> that was said to belong to Ernest Knox, who was a 16-year-old black boy from Cummings, Georgia. And Knox was promptly arrested, of course, at his home and subjected to a mock lynching where they coerced him into a confession for the attack against May Crow. So, bad enough that they don't hold actual lynchings, but they do a mock lynch to coerce this 16-year-old boy to confess to a crime that, I'm going to say it, he probably did not commit. Like, really doubt it was him. You know? Yeah. I just, I'm going to apologize now because I get more and more heated the more I go into this story. So, (laughs) I just... I just like oh. everything is like just like the the things that are flashing back are uh, uh oh god uh, oh brother where art thou kind of level of, <laughs> yeah yeah like just like stupidity when it comes to racism and oh oh god. yeah it's it's uh, don't worry it gets worse <laughs> oh so. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, no I I thought it was gonna get better I thought it was gonna be all sunshines and roses right <laughs> all right. <laughs> So, as word spread of the attack on Crow and the subsequent quote-unquote confession, we're going to use that term loosely, guys, by Knox, the white citizens of Forsyth County became increasingly angry. And it wasn't long before, guess what formed? Say it with me, kids. A lynch mob. Lynch mob. And they formed up in front of the jailhouse where Knox was being detained at. So, officers then had to sneak Knox out the back door late in the evening just to keep the lynch mob from trying to, you know, grab him out and hang him. So, Knox was taken to a jail in Atlanta for his protection, but soon, very, very soon, stood trial for the attack. So, the day after Knox was arrested, four additional men, Oscar Daniel, Rob Edwards, Jane Daniel... Yes, I believe that is a male that has the name Jane and Ed Collin were arrested and taken into custody because they were suspected to be accomplices of Knox. Really? Like suspected. Really? What is the guy from the office? The black gentleman? Um, Stanley. Stanley. Yeah. Picture me right now. I'm Stanley staring that one meme. Yeah, that's me. (laughs) (sighs) Anyways. So, of course, guess what? All four of these gentlemen were black because they don't need a reason to arrest black men back in 1912 in Georgia, apparently. Anyways, so after the arrest of the other four men, another angry mob of more than 2,000 white people stormed the county jail and gained access to their cells. Um, spoiler alert, they weren't trying to pull them out to sing Kumbaya with them, guys. It's not going to get much better. So, they shot and killed Rob Edwards, dragged his body from the jailhouse, and hung him from a telephone pole in the town square. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you try to look up pictures, um, there unfortunately is a picture of this. I would advise, do not. I repeat. Do not search for it. It is extremely troubling. But that's that's one thing that comes up in a lot of the history podcasts I listen to is just like how many people had their pictures taken in front of people that have been hanged, (laughs) I guess I should say. Well, don't you know? Hold on. So that's 
I have a theory as well as many others that that's why they keep trying to pass, you know, banning CRT, critical race theory in schools, because guess what? Then people that were like hanging around, like staring at the lynchings and watching people get hung. There's going to be a lot of people now that go and look back and go, oh, is that grandma in that photo watching a lynching happen? Yeah. That's why they're trying to ban critical race theory. Anyways. So. By the way, just, just so you know, just a little, little context. I grew up in the town that had the last uh, legal Klan march oh, in North Carolina. Nice. And um, and there's a street at the end of the town that I grew up in. Uh, I grew up outside, way outside of town. But where I went to school, there's a street called Lynch Street. Oh, God. And I will give you one guess. Why it's called that? Of the, uh, <laughs> well, of the group of people who live on that street now. Oh, and have for for generations Ooh. and uh yeah 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 and that's where the clan would end their marches mm. so anyway um just in case people weren't familiar with uh my background yeah i i get it i understand how much this well i'm i'm gonna i'm not gonna say that i don't gonna say i get it i'm just really yeah, you have had so, to witness yeah. a lot of uh repercussions of yeah said time periods that we're talking about yeah ish yeah didn't realize it was a white only pool until we joined and then promptly quit oh shit wow yeah yeah wow all right anyway so go ahead yeah yeah so at the end of their trial both ernest knox and oscar daniel were found guilty of the rape of may crow how they were both found guilty uh God dang it. Anyways. Yeah. Um, yeah. I will say this. I don't know what happened to Jane Daniel because everything that I looked for about Jane Daniel, I never found any kind of resolution. So I hate to say that, but I really don't know what happened to Jane. Um, right. But like I said, yeah. Ernest Knox and Oscar Daniel both found guilty of May Crow's rape and they were sentenced to death by hanging, even though it was illegal by state law at the time. So they said, we're going to sentence you to death, even though technically we cannot do this because it's illegal. But yeah. So on the day of their execution, 8,000 white citizens of Forsyth County and surrounding counties congregated in the town square of Cummings, Georgia, just to watch two teenage boys be publicly hanged for an alleged crime they never truly had the opportunity to fight. Which is, I mean, it's devastating to hear, but let's be real, that was the norm, unfortunately. Right. Um, So, after the hanging of Knox and Daniel and the shooting and killing of Edwards in his jail cell, terror soon would begin to spread throughout all of Forsyth County for its black citizens. Um, A group of white terrorists known as the Night Riders, would make it their mission to run every black person they came across out of Forsyth County. So, these Night Riders would come into towns where predominantly black people lived at night on horseback, and they would burn down homes, threw explosives into nearby buildings, and just basically terrorized and killed until there were no more black people, if we're being honest. 
Um, so you, know, you you understand how much I'm having to bite my tongue on making any type of Knight Rider joke, right? Oh my god! <laughs> don't you don't throw David Hasselhoff under the table like that? Come on now. <laughs> just I mean that that, <sighs> man, that man brought down the, the that man brought down the wall. He brought down the Berlin Wall. There we go. Anyways, <laughs> so um, Oscarville was unfortunately. Um, it would end up being one of their main targets, if not the main target, due to the fact that it was a thriving black community, as I said. You know, they had right. all this going on for them. They built up their own place that was their own, and it just, ugh. Yeah. So, over yeah. just a few short years, 98%, once you hang on to that number, 98% of black residents in Forsyth County would end up either leaving their homes or being murdered for refusing to move. 98%. That's horrific. So. But that 2%. But that 2% stayed. God bless them. So. Um, when these, I, I'm going to take a wild guess. That was not a fun experience for the 2% that did remain. <laughs> uh, no. Not a bit. So. Mm. Uh, when these individuals would leave or be killed, black property deeds then found their way into the hands of, you guessed it, white neighbors without any oh. bill of sale or any kind of transfer. So essentially, yeah. they'd go in and say, oh, no, this is mine now. You know, the same thing that white yeah. people have been doing for however, I mean, God, yeah, we know how that goes. <laughs> Anyways, so... This effectively, I mean, it's literally like, hi, we're white people. We come in, we steal your land. That's was the same when we made the move across the ocean and it ain't stopped if we're being honest. So we're the fire (sighs) ants of the world. We are. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yes, we are. So this effectively allowed many white people to steal the land once owned, legitimately owned by their black counterparts. When they were driven out by the Night Riders. So, more than 1,100 black people. So, essentially, the population of the town of Oscarville would lose their livelihood. And in little time, the once-functioning African-American town of Oscarville became nothing more than a ghost town. So. (sighs) Yeah, it just, it kills me because it's, I mean... Granted, it was in the South. It was going to be fighting uphill anyways, but just... Yeah. I think that one, it just really, like, kind of breaks my heart because it was such a thriving community. Like, listen, I'm a NASCAR girl. I love me some racing. The fact that they had, like, their own speedway that was renowned in the South, like, that's awesome that they could do that. They had their own small businesses. It just... God, it sucks. Why do white people got to be stupid? Why do us white people got to be so damn dumb all the time? Really? (laughs) So. But that ghost town of Oscarville is the, I think it's the main town that was flooded out. Because a lot of what the um, area that was flooded out for Lake Lanier, it was, there was a lot of farmland, but I think Oscarville was the only true town that was flooded out um, to create the lake. If I am thinking correctly from my research. So, but on from that horror to the fact that Lake Lanier is the most deadly lake in Georgia. Like, 
it has, I think, the highest, well, it has the highest drowning slash accident rate in the state and one of the highest in the country. So, with such a large and busy lake, it's inevitable for it to see some accidents and drownings, right? Like, you're going to have that. Unfortunately, as I said, Lake Lanier stands as one of the deadliest lakes in the U.S. So, Lake Lanier wasn't exactly designed to be a recreational lake, you know? As you told us, it was for what? It was for um, hydroelectric... Flood control. Yeah, flood control, hydroelectric power, you know, all that stuff. Water for the city of Atlanta. So, now, with, over time, the water... I mean, hi, global warming. The water's been slowly (laughs) receding more and more due to, like, droughts Mm -hmm. and due to increased water consumption in Atlanta and other outlying areas that rely on this lake. All right, so accidents keep happening because of receding water, and with that receding water, guess what? More debris gets stirred up, and some of the submerged things start to show up, right? So in my little ghost story at the beginning... Where I said that, you know, you could see the bleachers from the raceway. That actually happened in... No, ghost story wasn't real. I made that shit up. But um, in 2007, <laughs> they had such an extreme drought that you could actually see the bleachers from the Oscarville Speedway. Because the water had sunk wow. so low. Yeah. So when I say that stuff's starting to get stirred up and easily seen, I ain't lying. But now the water right. rose back up from that drought in 07. But still, it's like, holy cow. So, Lake Lanier itself, in it, in its time that it's been Lake Lanier, has seen more than 500 accidents and drownings, including some mysterious instances where boats just go up in flames, and as many as 675 people have died in the lake since 1956. Wow. Yeah. Like, it's yeah, insane. I mean, like, I... I, I I just don't know how, like, uh, you know, because I was thinking as, as you were talking about the, the the final parts about Oscarville and the mm-hmm. flooding of of the of the area, you know that that hundred island comment that I had at the beginning of it. I mean, you know, it's 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 kind of misleading because it's just yeah. mountaintops. That's that what I was going to say. Yeah, it's literally the mountaintops you know, that didn't get completely covered. <clears throat> right, and and so. I just wonder, like, is is that a high number for seven hundred miles of of shoreline? Or I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure there's there's some statistic, but yeah, it's just like wow, six, but still six hundred and something. Because I mean, like, w- I grew up uh, close to uh, a lake that powers a nuclear power plant in North Carolina. Uh-huh. Or, well, that you know they use yeah, and uh, <clears throat> and every year. I mean, it was just, you know, like clockwork, there would be a drowning. Yeah. And it was always by someone who decided to go fishing on the bank, but they don't know how to swim. Yeah, naturally. You know, and they died and, oh, the other person died trying to save them. Like that, that was pretty much, you know, like clockwork in, in Lake, Lake Jordan, mm-hmm. Sharon Harris or Harris Lake. Like I, every year you could pretty much bank on it. But yeah, 600 and that, that seems like a lot. Yeah, it it is. It seems like a lot. Wow. Well, and um, an article in Newsweek, of course, it described Lake Lanier as one of the of uh, America's most deadly lakes. Um, but they cited that from 
2015 to 2018, so just in that little three-year time period, there were 43 yeah. lake-related deaths and 128 boating accidents just within that three-year time period. How many How many accidents? Uh, 128 boating accidents, but 43 lake-related deaths during that three years. 128? Wow. Yeah. Wow. So it's, I mean, that's, it's high numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. But it's also said that um, Lake Lanier is the most dangerous underwater surface, and so not just, you know, the lake itself, but it's the most dangerous underwater surface in the U.S. Because, you know, in those droughts, so lake levels drop, of course, but people still want to go out on them, swim in it, blah, blah, blah. Um, but the lake floor itself um, in those droughts, as with any lake, becomes pretty unpredictable. Um, and like exposed ferry boats, cars, it says bodies. I don't know if bodies show up during this time. But mm-hmm. but ferry boats, cars, debris of all kind, it gets closer to boaters and swimmers naturally at the surface, right? So... Right. The water depths, like the actual depth of the water, is also really unpredictable because, you know, like one second you can be shoulder deep in the water there. And if you move like one step forward, it can, you can have like a 30 foot drop just because of the land itself that was underneath prior to the formation of the lake. And over the years, divers have shown videos on like YouTube and stuff that show sunken houseboats and like other eerie sightings beneath the murky waters, which could also attribute to the issues that like faces. Well, like, let me tell you this one story, yeah. like Go for just it. to give you a, a perspective. So there's this, uh, this river that goes through town, ta- town down the street from me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, it's a very easy going river. And this, this story is from the eighties, mm-hmm. but, um, so it's many, many years ago and things have changed, but, uh, so it, it's basically a river that they would take people, beginner, beginning kayakers on, yeah. uh, on trips to teach them how to kayak and just, you know, it's mainly flat water, maybe a little bit of class one rapid, but nothing really too hard. And, uh, so <clears throat> they had done this river a million times and, it's very close to a very close to a city, mm-hmm. and they were like, "What is that in the water up ahead?" And if you're a if you're a kayaker or if you've seen them, you've noticed that like old kayaks were kind of more pointy at the front. Yeah, real kind of came to a real point now, a little bit wider boats and things like that. Well, this is one of the older '80s kind of style that comes to a point, and they were like, "What is that thing?" And it was like something was bobbing out of the water. Oh no! And <laughs> as they approached it. It came up and it was basically like, almost like something like fan, like think of like a, like your fan belt in your car. Yeah. Like that type of material, like that type of belt came up and just slid up the front of that very narrow front of the, of the kayak. Mm-hmm. And basically it was going up and down, up and down, you know, it was going up occasionally or whatever. And it went around the lap of the person who was in the kayak oh, and no. just went down. Oh. And stayed down. Oh. Yeah. Oh. So so you know, um, you know, they've 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 since cleaned up a lot of those things and that kind of thing. But but just it's just unpredictable. Like yeah. you know, like like it says there, that thing for all you know, that thing could have floated down from two miles ahead, oh, you know, yeah. two miles upstream. Oh yeah. And and done whatever. And and so think about having cities underneath you 
and the fucked up like currents and flows yeah. that must go with like something coming in and out of, you know, maybe concrete buildings yeah. or something like that, like we talked about in the beginning. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I just, I just thought I'd share that one because like, no, it totally makes these sense. These people had done this a million times yeah. and then they, one day it's like, huh, wonder what that is. Boom. Well, someone's dead. Yeah. Well, and I mean, for kind of long, your examples, like here in 2016, we had a massive, massive, um, flash flooding event happen from a creek. Right. Um, which I don't know if wow. you saw, it was actually like on national news and stuff, but, um, you know, we had, what was it? 29 people were killed in it and stuff. Um, but long story short, the last victim wasn't found till like, I want to say seven months after the fact. And she was actually found, she had come down the Creek completely and had went down river and where she came in, it went in and the Creek was like a good ways up from where the inlet is to or the outlet to the river is she was found i think five miles downstream in the river so i mean that tells you the power of water period and then just when stuff gets all jacked up and i mean that flood alone like completely it changed like complete portions of this river like the and it's the same river that like i go down in the summer and stuff but since we had that flooding event, like there's spots and stuff that like once you could get through, it's like, oh, Jesus, nope, can't do that anymore. Or, you know, you'll come upon it and don't even realize that it's changed. So it's just like, oh, crap. <laughs> so, yeah. So the mysterious drownings or near drownings at the lake, right? So there's various stories of boats hitting something in the water only for it to turn out that there was nothing there or Boats or other watercraft capsizing for no apparent reason and sudden and dangerous rogue waves that just seem to like come out of nowhere without warning across the surface, right? Um, And many of the drowning cases are somewhat odd in that they happen very close to shore um, with like people who were considered strong swimmers and they were in calm conditions for the most part, right? Um. And some people who have almost drowned and lived to tell their tale have told of feeling like somebody was, or something was like pulling them underwater or that they were being held by like unseen hands or having like the air suddenly seem to leave their lungs and cause them to be like completely exhausted and just, you know, drained of any kind of energy. Um, and in some of the cases, people who drown fairly close to the shore have had their bodies turn up in positions far, far away from where they, you know, were last seen going under the water. But I mean, for being realistic, that's more than likely due to like underwater currents in the lake itself, yeah. which I mean, the lake is a river that was dammed, so it's still going to have those currents within it, you know? Um, However, that really chaotic lake floor makes dredging the lake for missing bodies that much more difficult. And it's said that there are around 25 or 29 people um, that have died in this lake over the years and still never been found. Which, I mean, as I said before, you're going to have sometimes people don't get found. Like, that is a fact. But that seems like a pretty astronomical number of, like, you know... Just the fact that, hey, we're going to go down to the lake for the weekend and hang out. Oh, by the way, there's probably like 29 people that are still in this lake dead. So that would be a little creepy for me personally, but that's just me. So, um, yeah. Now, I will say, um, I don't know if you heard it 
when it happened, but a couple years ago. So you know who the singer Usher is, right? Usher, mm, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. Usher. So um, a couple years ago, his, I think it was ex-girlfriend's son. I know it was her son, not his. He was actually on the lake, and he was like 12 or 13, something like that. He was on the lake in a boat with some friends, and there was a massive boating accident. He was killed. So that was the first time I kind of actually heard any kind of inkling about Lake Lanier. His ex-girlfriend or ex-wife, I don't remember which it was, her son was killed in the accident, and the boy he was with was seriously injured and almost died. So, um, But that was like one of the more notable cases that I'd seen previously prior to all this. So... What could be cause for such a high rate of drownings and accidents on this lake? You know, um, there's been a lot of speculation about why Lake Lanier is so deadly. Some people attribute it to the accident and fatality rate being so high due to the sheer numbers of people who go out, go out on the lake annually, right? I mean, it's right, the right. largest lake in Georgia. It's going to attract a lot of people to come and boat and, you know, do the thing on the lake. Um, The lake attracts such a high volume of visitors that there are naturally going to be more accidents. But statistics that were gathered by the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, which is like a pretty big newspaper down there. Yeah. You know, they gathered up their statistics and stuff, and the statistics don't really support that argument, right? So Mm. in 2017, Lake Lanier was only 7% more popular than Georgia's second most popular lake, But it was also twice as deadly. Um, Some people also say, you know, the murky water, a bottom covered with tree trunks and other debris that can easily entangle up swimmers, um, and a lake floor that drops steeply in places, that's what make it make Lake Lanier so dangerous. Um, But my favorite theory, because, you know, I love a good conspiracy slash weird theory, is that the lake is so deadly because of ghosts. (laughs) <laughs> so <laughs> besides the lady of the lake that i told you about at the beginning of the episode um people you know claim it's just generally haunted and generally cursed i would like to think that the curse comes from the fact that you know oscarville was a you know thriving black community that the white people of forsyth and surrounding counties apparently had a problem with that and then tried to you know well didn't try they got rid of oscarville essentially and so now Oscarville said, you know what? F you. I'm going to make your leg shit. So, um, but right. a legend that probably stems from, well, the haunting of the lake, it probably kind of stems mainly from um, the fact that when they flood this lake, they flood communities. They flood, you know, people's property that they were on, once on, right? Um, right? So when you flood communities and people's like home sites, what usually gets flooded with that, Pox? Besides homes. Graves. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> so the flooding of cemeteries, right? And family graveyards that were once there. Now, the Army Corps of Engineer, you know, they work to relocate all marked graves. But naturally, if you go back to some of these older home sites and stuff, there's going to be a lot of unmarked graves, right? right. So... When the surrounding communities were flooded to create Lake Lanier, that naturally meant that cemeteries had to be flooded also. Army Corps engineer tried to relocate. Didn't get everybody. I mean, as horrible as that is. 
right. didn't get them all out. So that left these souls to haunt the lake for all eternity. Um, and these stories of the lake being cursed or haunted lead us back, of course, to the Lady of the Lake that I talked at the very beginning about. So <laughs> that's my favorite theory is that, you know, the ghosts of the people that were left behind cursed it along with the good people of Oscarville that said, you know what, you're going to build a lake on our town. Fuck you. We're going to make sure it sucks. So, ta-da! You know, that, that's something <laughs> I... It, you, you mentioned something that I was like, oh, that's right, because <clears throat> I noticed that the, one of the, you know... Like I said at the beginning, it's, it's difficult just mm-hmm. to... And I think it's evidenced by the, by the story, which you, which you did a very good, great job. Thank you! Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, is that... The the way that it the way that it happened and the way that the lake is is that it's very silty. Yes. And it's very difficult to really navigate. Yeah. Um and like you said, like there are there are some pictures and videos which is kinda like, well maybe it's there, maybe it's not but um but but that it's very silty and so as I was doing that research trying to look up something else about the lake or something. Um, it came up that uh, in, in like one of the articles, it said something like much like Loch Ness. Yeah. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and so me. apparently Loch, Loch Ness is, uh, that's why the, 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 the Loch Ness monster, the tale lives on because the water is so murky. Like pure yeah. Silt. Yeah. Yeah, that you just can't see anything in front of you. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I think I think about like you know Fontana down the road, mm-hmm. like we talked about earlier. That you know, there's entire cities still under there, cars, you know, graves, everything. Twenty foot long uh, catfish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And there's a there's another place. It's just about. Nah, yes, it's, it's it's about an hour drive, but probably twenty miles away. Mm-hmm from where I live called Panther town. Okay. And, uh, or painter town, painter town. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> painter town is, uh, it's beautiful, beautiful Valley mm-hmm. with, uh, with this like exposed granite walls all the way around. just like that's sloped down. And, uh, but there's probably, I, I could probably do it. If now that I, now that I say it, I need to look it up because I, I know of at least two people that have died there. Oh, wow. And, um, and, and I didn't, I, I had met one of them briefly and it was literally seriously like, uh, the, 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 the woman started falling and she reached to grab his hand and boom, they both went off the side. One of those kind of things. But, um, but at one point in time, um, whatever energy company, uh, was around <coughs> here at the time might've been Nana Hala power, mm-hmm. um, was talking about flooding that area and turning it and damming it up at one end and they wound up damming it up further down river and uh i think about two things one how crazy that because i mean i've hiked a lot of that valley in, mm-hmm. in panther town and how crazy that valley would be if it was underwater right and yeah. just the the craziness of it and 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 the 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 the, the the topography of it would just be crazy. It would be beautiful. Yeah. No doubt in my mind, it would be beautiful, but it would be crazy underneath there. Like the different things going on in the, in that Valley. Yeah. Um, and then the crazy thing is, is that then further down that river where they did dam it up, mm-hmm. um, they will, it, 
occasionally have unannounced releases. Yeah. And there's this beautiful, beautiful waterfall down there uh-huh. that just turns fucking deadly. It's like, fuck! <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Like they, they have like, you know, they do have announced ones, but occasionally like if it's if there's enough water comes into the valley at one time, <clears throat> they have to do releases and... It happens. Yeah. People die. Oh, yeah. And it's just, just crazy. And like that whole valley, I can, because I mean, I keep thinking about 160 feet. Yeah. That's what, that's what the dam is. It's like 160 feet. And I think about where I live, like, you know, 160 feet down below me or, you mm-hmm. know, it just how crazy it would be if all of a sudden you're just like, fuck it, fill it with water. Fill it up. Who cares? <laughs> but that's kind of, yeah, yeah. that's kind of like how it is with like the topography for Lake Lanier, because if you think about it. The area where Lanier is, that's essentially at what the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains. You know, it's yeah, in that yeah, northern I mean, part of feet, Georgia. That's not much, yeah. No, it's not, yeah, yeah. but it's still, it's really hilly area with a lot of topography mm-hmm. changes. So, hence why, like you said, there's like all those little islands throughout Lake Lanier, which are actually mountaintops. And that's why also there's such like sudden drop-offs in the lake itself. It's the same thing here mm-hmm. where I live. There's two lakes that are man-made lakes built by the Army Corps of Engineer, um, both within an hour drive for me. And um, the one that's closest to me that I'm thinking of, it literally, so it goes along the New River. If I don't know if you've heard of the New River, but... Yes, I Okay. Well, I mean, I figured, but I just want to make sure. <laughs> so, yeah, 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 yeah. It, yeah. the New River actually runs through um, a big portion of where I live in this state. And both of these lakes are lakes because they're dams that are on the New River in two separate places. Um, well, no, one's the Gauley River, which flows into the New. Sorry. But the one that's closest right. to me, that area that was flooded, it it was literally just like big hillsides. So that lake is a, it's a lake, but it's essentially just made the new river like really wide is all it is. It's not a lake in the sense of what you think of like big, huge open water. Right. But like the drop offs in that one that's closest. I mean, they're like insane. Um, my fella has, well, like I said before, he, you know, does water rescue and he's on the dive team, you know, for the local fire department and all that. And, like, when they do training stuff, they'll do some trainings at that lake. And, I mean, there's always the stories of there's catfish 20 feet long. There's a bus down at the bottom. And it's funny because he's, like, literally at the deepest point. It's, like, 30 feet, if that. He's, like, now, can you see down there? No, because it's, like, every other kind of lake, I want to say, more than likely on the East Coast, towards that bottom, it's super, super silty. So, it's just, like... The nature of the beast with like creating lakes in mountainous areas, it's going to be weird topography and it's going to make for a really jacked up lake floor for sure. So, but. So I have a, I have a question for you. Yes. Do you believe in ghosts? Uh, here's the thing. <clears throat> I love a good ghost story. I really do. Right. Um, if you were to say, well, to say I believe in ghosts, no, I don't. I'm of the mind, like, do I love to watch, like, those stupid-ass ghost shows on the Travel Channel? Yes, absolutely. Do I like to go to haunted places? You bet your ass. The Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum, for instance, is in the northern part of the state. I've been there, went to the haunted house, did the actual, like, historical haunted tours and stuff, where they try to convince you that, oh, this was a ghost that just moved that ball, didn't you see it? But, I don't believe it. But, in the same breath, like... 
I would like to say I'm skeptical, but I'm an open skeptic. Whereas I would love nothing more than for a ghost to walk up to me and slap me in the face and be like, bitch, here I am, you know? Right, right, <laughs> like, right. So I don't outright believe it. I don't think, oh, well, there's, you know, like, I've told you my mom passed away a few years ago. It's not like, and I live in her house, so it's not like I'm like, oh, hey, Kathy, what you doing over there? <laughs> but it's like, right. it's just, if one was like, showed up to me and was like, hey, yo, here I am. Like, if I had like some irrefutable proof, like right in front of my face, I'd be like, okay, cool. So I'm not... Totally closed off to the idea, but I'm just like, eh. Do I think that... Have you ever... Oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, do I think that maybe there is something more beyond this life? Yeah. Not to get, like, religious, because I'm not a religious person. I don't think right. we just, like, die, and that's it. I think something happens with our souls. Do I know what it is? No, obviously not, because I'm still sitting here living. But I like to think that there's something beyond what the physical form we're in, so... It's kind of a mixed bag yeah. for me. Anyways, what were you going to ask? I'm, Sorry. <laughs> well, I, I, I was just say I'm I'm kind of along the same lines as you. Yeah. It's kind of like, yeah, I, no, I don't really think that's what it is. I've I've long thought that there's something chemically happening when we see a ghost. Yeah. Like in your brain, yeah. the same way just our brain is so fucking crazy. Yeah. That like, you know, when you're seeing, like when you're seeing your dead father yeah. standing in the corner, you know, next to your favorite, whatever, you know, it's like, there's something, something's happening. It's a memory you're trigger, having... I think more so than. Yeah. Like, like I said, yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. It's like a memory trigger. It's something chemically is happening. That's making your brain do this. Like, yeah. But that's, that's what I think that is. Yeah. Now the, the weird spooky, like what the fuck was that? Like that, that to me is, you know, yeah, that, that's kind of silliness. Um, I would love for that shit to happen to me. I'd be like, hell yeah. <laughs> right. And, and that's, that's what I was going to ask you was, is have you had anything in your life that made you think, was that a. I will say that. So my grandmother, God bless her. I adored that woman. Was she bipolar? Yes. Was she a little beyond bipolar? That, that's debatable. Anyways. So when I was little, we grew like me and my mom and my sister lived with my grandmother in the other house that's here on my property, um, which is an old, old house. It's just a little teeny tiny one story house. But the main part of that house is like over 150 years old um, or no, it's over 100 years old. The chimney that's actually in that house is a stone chimney that was built for the original house on that space. Um, and it's over 150 years old. Um, that original house burnt down, God, in the 1800s sometime or whatever. Um, right. And two uh, twin siblings that were like eight, seven, eight years old, they were killed in that fire. And they're actually buried here on the property um, in a little teeny tiny cemetery in a marked grave. Um, anyways... So, they died in that house, and there was, Anno is a great whatever back relative named Stonewall, and he lived in that house immediately after, and he was the twin's father, um, and he died in that house also, but, like, little weird noises would happen down there, and, like, unexplained little stuff, and my grandma would just mm -hmm. be like, oh, it's Stonewall, don't pay any attention, I'm like, What? Well, right. you know, she, 
passed away. I didn't inherit her house. I actually lived down there for a couple of years. And like I said, it's an old house. I had a wood stove. I mean, you name it. We, we country bumpkin it. Um, yeah. But like, I would even notice, and I had a roommate that lived with me for a time. He's one of my best friends. We would notice like weird shit would happen kind of sometimes. And I'd be like, did you do this? And she'd be like, no, did you? And I'm like, no. And I was like, oh, I guess it's Stonewall. Well, one night I was sitting down there and the, so the doors that were on the front and the back of the house, they're like pretty heavy, solid wood doors, right? And they would stick, like when you would go to open them, like just probably, I mean, like five inches from opening the door, they would stick there and you kind of would have to pull it to get it to open all the way. Well, one night I had, you know, let the dogs out, let them back in. Closed the door. I always made sure that it was like closed, closed because it was that weird, heavy old door. Locked it, I thought. And went back in the living room, was watching TV, blah, blah, blah. Well, probably about 30 minutes later, all of a sudden I hear the door swing wide open. And my roommate wasn't there with me. She was at work. And I was like, what the fuck? Why is she coming in like that? You know? <laughs> like, because it like swung hard. And I was like, what the fuck? Well, go in. Nobody's there at the back door. And I was like, uh, excuse me? <laughs> like, no. And we had, like, one of those old, like, wooden screen doors. Like, we had an old wooden screen door on the outside. And I was like, okay, that's not moved. This door is open. What the hell? I know I shut it and I know I locked it. Well, it was unlocked and it was wide open. So I closed it back. And I was like, okay, cool. And so she got home a little bit later on. And I was like, dude, you're not going to believe what happened. And I told her, and she goes, oh, my God, are you serious? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, uh, I had the same thing happen to me last week. And I was like, what the actual fuck? <laughs> so that was a little weird. But, again, it was an old house. So it's like, did like it actually, did I not lock it and not get it shut all the way? And then, you know, right. it was kind of windy right. that night. So did it blow it open? And I'm just like, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> so I don't know. Have you yeah, had something was... crazy happen? Yeah, when I was young, um, I was trying to think about it while we were you were talking. I was like, gosh, what what, what age was I? Um, <laughs> I was probably around 10, 11, 12, mm-hmm. something like that. And my parents had a very large group of friends, uh-huh. and they would all hang out together and, you know, had parties for everybody's birthdays or, you know, or, yeah. you know holidays, that kind of thing. And they would uh, they, they'd hang out and just, you know, drink and you know, shoot pool, do whatever. Yeah. And so, you know, uh, they'd come over to our house occasionally. And, and, and I think I might've mentioned on there, but I, I grew up down a dirt road, mm-hmm. tobacco, uh, tobacco and logging area that, um, that there was no longer tobacco and logging area yeah. under with us, but, um, middle of nowhere at one point in time. Now it's almost downtown someplace, but, uh, yeah. but, uh, and so, uh, one of my parents' friends bought a tract of land, probably like eight or nine acres across the street and up probably about a quarter mile from Austin. And she was a friend of theirs for 20 plus years before then. So um, she moved in over there and I didn't really know her until she moved in. And so she, she was over and she was friends with the whole group of friends as well. And and so it was just, they were having a party for something and I, and I was the only kid like my my parents friends didn't have kids mm-hmm. until they got older. Yeah. Um when they were in their they they're the kind of people that had kids in their 40s. Gotcha. And uh in late 30s 40s. And so uh or not at all. 
And so I, so I was always the only kid and I was, you know, always in the way pretty much, you know, just like in general. And I was just like, I always, you know, bumping around, wanted to do something. And, and, uh, and so, 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 uh, Paige, the, the neighbor, she was like, Hey, I have to go back over to my house. Do you mind walking with me? Mm-hmm. And she was like, yeah, sure. And, um, so I was just, you know, you know, I would go over there all the time and, and she just wanted someone to walk with her. And so we walk up the street, walk up the driveway, and then we're walking on the on the road. And there was just like a little bit of moon out, but not like a full moon. Like, you know, like not like you're going to see things yeah, um, with a full moon. And so down the hill from her house, maybe about 75 to 100 feet from her driveway, past like, like on the other side of her driveway away from the direction we're walking, we both kind of see this glow and neither one of us really say anything until we get a little bit closer. And then she's like, do you see that down there? And I was like, yeah, I, I, I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, okay, you saw it before I said it. And I was like, yeah, she's like, okay, let's just keep walking and keep an eye on it get down to the, to her driveway. And we just go up a driveway. Uh, from there, she calls back over to my parents' house and asks if somebody would come over. And so I can't remember if someone walked over or if someone drove over. And again, it's a quarter mile away. Yeah. And uh, so she came over and who, however, whoever it was, whatever, we went wound up back over at the house and she's went around telling everybody we saw a ghost and is asking me to, you know, corroborate the story and like, yep, yep, yep. So we saw this thing, we saw this thing, whatever. So years later, years later, I'm telling the story and my parents are like, you know, Paige was just stoned, right? <laughs> and I was like, what? <clears throat> I said, yeah, no, no, no. She was, she was probably just stoned. It was like, you guys were probably just seeing the, gl- and, and so <laughs> what was going on at that time that I didn't really know about was it was a little neighborly feud mm-hmm. uh, between her neighbor up the road and someone down the road from us. And the guy was just nosy. Yeah. And so more than likely what we were seeing was him kind of trying to hide and just, just in, in on the other side of the tree line is where it was. Uh. And uh, so he was probably just trying to hide out, probably saw us coming and stopped. And, and that's probably what we saw. Lame. And so either she was trying to like, just diffuse it by saying she saw a ghost uh-huh. or she was really legitimately stoned and thought she saw a ghost. <laughs> and someone came over and was just like, Nope, it was, you know, Gary or whatever the guy at the Hill. Yeah. Okay. So fast forward like 30 years and my grandmother's uh, passed away and we're, we're having people over to her house after the, after the service. Yeah. And Paige is, uh, Paige is a little spiritual, uh-huh. you know, yeah. you know, she's not religious, but she's spiritual. Gotcha. Yeah, there, there might, is a difference. There might be some crystal. There's some yes. There there is some cupping with bowls, <laughs> and there's probably some crystals involved somewhere. Um, the proud Ashvillian now. Nice. And um, so she, uh, so she comes over, and and we're sitting at this, you know, sitting in my grandmother's front room mm-hmm. that she probably hadn't used in God knows how long. So she she comes and sits down. She's like, hey, uh, you know, I know. That, you know, something, something, something about my grandmother and mm-hmm. all that. And she's like, and just, just so you know, uh, 
you know, sometimes they, they, they come back and they say hello in different ways. Uh-huh. And uh, you'll just have to keep an eye out. You never know what it might be. It, it could be, you know, uh, uh, you know, and she gave some example. And then to my left is a lamp. And the bulb just fucking gets as bright as a bulb can get. What? And pop. Out. What? Oh, hell no. No shit. And she's sitting across from me. And we both look at that and look back and we're like, we both stand up and walk out of the fucking room. And we're gone. (laughs) Let's roll. (laughs) But it was just like, it was just like, white hot. Out, and like you could he- you could hear the filament like pop oh, inside that's creepy. of it. Okay, now that's here's weird. the thing, kind of like kind of like we go back to it was probably the drunk guy you know down the hill listening yeah. in. Um, that front room hadn't been used in forever. Yeah, the light had probably been on for five minutes. Yeah, it got hot. Bulb bu- bust, but still perfect timing. But still, but still, just she had she had just like. Finish the sentence, like, gotta look for her in different places. Boom. No. That's just So, do I believe? Eh. Do I want to believe? Yeah. Yeah. And in the words of, you know, past Pox and Puss guest, uh, in Ryan Singer, it's more fun to believe. There you go. Yeah. You know, and... uh, So, yeah. So, I'm I'm a healthy, healthy, healthy skeptic in those kind of things. And, um... What I'm going to talk about in our next one is something I alluded to and that we alluded to in the first episode. And there's healthy skepticism um, on all sides, but it's just a very strange coincidence to be all over the country. Oh, I'm excited. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, is it the one thing I'm thinking? Probably. Okay. Maybe. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I think I know which one you're talking about. So that makes me yeah. excited. Um, real quick, yeah. I wanted to, yes. I know that you're going to post sources, but just a tuple, a tuple, yeah. a tuple that Willie helped because mm-hmm. I can't talk. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple that I've got some really good stuff from. There was a great CNN article on this. Um, Oxford American had a fantastic article on the haunting of Lake Near. Um, the Lanier, Lanier Times was another great one. Um, strangeoutdoors.com, which that one was really in depth on like the haunting spooky side of stuff. Um, uh, there was a really great article from, I think it was news one about art Oscarville. Um, which I mean, I didn't do Oscarville justice in my point. There's so much more backstory and history to that town. Really? If you are interested in like digging into, some serious issues of race back in the early 1900s. Um, look up Oscarville because there's so many good, good stories and resources on that. Um, but the big one that I wanted to talk about because we talk about sundown towns. So there's a website. Um, it's a, it's history and social justice. It's a website that it says it is inspired by the work of James W. Lowen, L-O-E-W-E-N, who is a sociologist and a historian. Um, We'll put the link for it. But on that website, they have a U.S. map, and it's a historical database of sundown towns. So you can click on a state 
and see if there's sun downtowns in your state or if there were and it's you know it it goes pretty in depth and it's really interesting like i looked at west virginia and i mean i'm not gonna lie i knew there was probably some especially as i've told you before the county north of me you know there's a pretty big history of white supremacy up there still an ongoing one um but i was blown away by the amount of like sundown towns in west virginia i did not think it was going to be as many as it was so um spoiler alert north carolina's got quite a few too just so you know yeah. <laughs> like i said my bet my little town my, my little hometown's probably on there yeah so but it's <clears throat> super super interesting just to go through the states and even some states that you're like oh i wouldn't think that one um nope there are some at least still or there were so um, but it was it was a really great source um, for looking up sundown towns, and we'll definitely you know, like, make sure. What's that going on there. east of the Cascades? Exactly, like <laughs> you'd be shocked. You would be super shocked out west. Like it blew my mind because I went through one night and just was like looking at almost every state. But yeah, yeah. super interesting stuff. Yeah. So yeah, the Cascade Mountains are a very, very, very dividing line yeah (laughs) to say the least (laughs) so uh just so i can get my sources in here i have uh, (laughs) i have lake lanier.com yeah and that's if you want their their happy image (laughs) uh yeah yeah exactly yeah if you if you want everything positive about lake lanier lake lanier.com is a place to go (laughs) yes um Let's see. I did get something from a, it wound up being a podcast called things I learned last night. Mm-hmm. It was really just like their information page about their episode. Oh, cool. Um, I used something off of there and, uh, there's also this, uh, this, uh, one author named Alan Jackson and he, uh, has a, uh, a, a, a piece of work called Chattahoochee. <laughs> Um, that I referenced. <laughs> and we will include the YouTube link for that. Oh my God. Yes. Yes, we will. So. Oh, <laughs> it's gosh. worth a watch. <laughs> it's worth a watch. Oh, them shorty shorts. Hmm. I'm just oh, sitting here. Shorty shorts in a cowboy hat. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Fantastic. And I it's did, life fest. I did, a, I did a slight deep dive on the 10 gallon hat. Uh-huh. Um... Yeah, it's it just people should just look up the ten gallon hat. Okay, it's, uh, it's it's you know it didn't exist, um, <laughs> and it's just it is a, a wonderful example of appropriation. Oh, and gotcha. Also, just confusing language. Ah, um, you know, I don't understand what you're saying. So this is what I think you're saying. So that's what it's going to be. And yeah. now it's in every movie ever. Ah, show, gotcha. even though cowboys didn't wear them gotcha but anyway yeah, yeah, yeah. but anyway this was a jam-packed so. episode my dude like yeah super yeah, yeah. jam-packed but it was good absolutely um <laughs> so i'm trying to think uh da, 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 da. Da, da, da. um just pr- big thank you good. to everybody that's been listening by the way y'all are awesome yeah um our our reviews that are on apple like cool cool as hell mm-hmm. um so to the people that have left reviews on there we appreciate you if you are listening not only would you listen to us but 
maybe subscribe to us. Maybe leave a review. It helps us kind of pop up the charts a little bit, you know, so we get a little more notice from people that might not mm. necessarily be searching for, you know, weird stories in the outdoors. But um, just make sure you do that, whether it's on Apple. I think Spotify lets you review now. Am I correct? Um, I, I'm, I'm not going to touch Spotify. <laughs> That's that's been our that's that's been our one review is that that we uh, we we are on Spotify. Oh. Somebody somebody was mad that we are on Spotify. Well, sorry. I mean, we're said the person who has a YouTube channel. Yeah, um, they were mad that we were on Spotify. But uh, but yeah, I don't know. I bet you can. I think I, I think so. they just or there's like a thumbs up, thumbs down. Yeah. thumbs up. Give us give, give us, us a thumbs thumb. up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> go to our Facebook page. Go like that. Um, I'm trying to get a little better. I was kind of really popping in with some good stuff. Then I just started retweeting a lot of stuff from Pox because God bless him. He did the work. Um, but hey work's not too crazy for me right in, here in the next couple weeks. It's going to die down. So I'll be definitely posting some more stuff on the Facebook page. Um Go follow us on Twitter. Go follow us on Instagram. Um, all our handles are in the Pines Pod, so shouldn't be too mm-hmm. hard to find. And go us. listen to our other podcast. Yes, go listen to our other. Um, that would be wonderful. Just like literally on mine that I had. Don't hold the audio against us. We were working on like cheap mics, and we loved what we did. So fuck off if you don't like them. So <laughs> and you got a brand new mic. I got a brand new mic now. Yay! But um. <laughs> Trying to think, is there anything else that we need to cover? Um, I can't think of anything. Okay. Um, we still might do a Patreon at some point. We're just right. kind of put a feeler out there to see how you all would like that. So if that's something you're interested in us doing to get exclusive content, let us know. You know, all that good stuff. Yeah. So, um... Pox, where can they find you on the interwebs? What are your handles, sir? You can find me at Pox Holiday on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest. Um, I haven't used Pinterest in five years. <laughs> I haven't either. <laughs> uh, and Facebook. I'm also Pox Holiday on Facebook, or I think I might be Holiday underscore Pox. I'm not sure. I don't know how Pox Holiday If you do taken, a little but... search at the top, the little bar, just type in Pox Holiday, you'll find them either way. Yeah. So. There'll be a guy with a paper bag and a pee on it. Yeah. Yeah. True. Not with pee on it. A Are you sure? Pee. Are you sure about that? No. <laughs> It'd be dog pee. Oh. And you can find me on Twitter. Twitter? Twitter. Yeah. God almighty. You can find me on Twitter at HeyThatNikki, N-I-K-K-I. Um, and that's all you get from me. Sorry. It's just Twitter. <laughs> Where you can... But here's the thing. If you go on there, you can see recent pictures from, I don't say where I work, but something I did with work. So you can actually oh. see my face. But anyways. Um, but yeah. Hooray. And you might see the occasional nice. critter picture on there. So That's pretty much all mine are, dog pictures. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much same here. It's my animals in general, so. All right, well. All right, what do we say at the end? Um, I'm pulling it up. <laughs> do you want to go first? Do you want me? <laughs> uh, I'll say, uh, <clears throat> <clears throat> that wasn't on purpose. I'm not going to stay in. <clears throat> some people go into the woods to make memories. And some people walk into the woods to be forgotten. Bye, y'all. <laughs> Ta-da-ka-da. Ta-da-ka-da.